Welcome to Lambs to Lions. You're listening to the weekly podcast with Pastor Matt Funk. Okay, we're going to dive into the teaching then. Um, but speaking of offense, of course, you always think, well, I'm going to do a teaching about offense. So what's going to happen to me between the time I write this and the time I teach this where I'll have an opportunity to become offended? And so I was working on this teaching yesterday and I'm all happy and, and uh, you know, the joy of the Lord is my strength and this is the day the Lord has made and I'm driving to the church and I have this car that decides that it wants to follow me very, very closely to the point where I felt like the guy was in my back seat. And so in that moment, I decided, hey, I wonder if my brakes still work. And I decided to do a little love tap on my brakes. And boy, did I have a fired up driver who passed me, then slams his brakes. I almost crashed into him. Then he speeds up, pulls over. So I pull over because I'm like, well, I don't know what he's going to do next. Sometimes you don't know with a road rage. And he has some, some not so choice words for me. And, uh, and I just said, hey, you were tailgating. That's all I said. And he keeps rambling and then he speeds off. But in that moment, I'm like, wow, he was very offended. But I was almost a little bit offended too because of the, the words that he had for me, which were not in line with what God's word says about me. I'll tell you that. <laughs> but, you know, sometimes those moments you're just like, yeah, I know. I actually felt kind of bad after because I'm like, you know, I probably wouldn't have had to do that. But sometimes in Chilliwack, you get those guys that are just always following you too closely and maybe he needed to learn his lesson. And I don't usually do that. Like I'm usually the guy that's driving the limit, somebody's tailgating, whatever. You know, I was actually listening to worship music while I did all this. And I later on, I'm like, why did I even do that? But either way, I was like, I wish I could find the guy. I'd probably apologize to him. Um, if he's carrying offense, if you're watching this, whoever you are, I'm glad, maybe, what if it's one of, I was like, man, I'm glad it wasn't one of the guys from the men's group, because that would have been awkward, pull over, and there's Gary, oh, man, either way, I'm not offended, if he is, I, I pray that he'll forgive me, but interestingly enough, there's always something that happens where you could choose to be offended, but you just have to move on and uh, not let those little things bother you, but Anyway, I just thought I'd share that because I thought it was, it's just not something that normally happens to me. So I had to get it off my chest, confession hour. All right, jump into the teaching. Matthew 18, verse 15. If another believer sins against you, go privately and point out the offense. If the other person listens and confesses it, you have won that person back. So the first blank in your notes for this morning is address it so they can confess it. I know it rhymes, but it's true. It's talking about, you know, addressing the issue so that they can confess. Now, it's a lot easier to avoid than it is to address, especially when you're already hurt or you're offended. Addressing that issue is not always easy. It's much easier to avoid it and maybe call it out in a prayer circle and say, hey, man, my brother needs prayer. But that's not the way to do it. That just becomes gossip. We need to go directly to the person, address it, make it right, and move on. Because if we don't address it, we usually become offended. We become offended. 
And the meaning of offended is resentful or annoyed, typically as a result of a perceived insult. Perceived insult. The danger of offense is that it often clouds our ability to make the right choices. It also opens a door for the enemy to come in and create strife where there could otherwise be peace. I learned that yesterday. I could have just went with it and not done anything. And later on, I was thinking about it. I'm like, I could have just kept the peace. Eventually, he would have passed me. I would have had a better day, to be honest. Looking back, I thought about that. I actually repented when I got home. I'm like, Lord, this is not something I do. You know, why create strife when there's peace? The fact what he was doing wasn't, you know, I had nothing to worry about, you know, so why go and create a situation? I'm like, this could have been really bad. He could have smashed into my car or I could have smashed into his car or could have gotten a fist fight. (laughs) So in that moment, I just realized, you know what? I created strife where there could otherwise have been peace, right? And so again, it was an opportunity for God to work on my heart as well. But, But that's why it's so important to work things out immediately. Now, if they're not willing to hear you out, Jesus gives us the next step. But if you are unsuccessful, take one or two others with you and go back again so that everything you say may be confirmed by two or three witnesses. That's verse 16. So the goal here is restoration, not self-right. You know, the goal here, like Pastor Ron said, it's all about relationship. We want to restore those relationships. We don't want to just go in with a point to prove and say, hey, I was right. Sometimes you're both wrong. In my case yesterday, yeah, maybe him tailgating me was not the right thing to do. But for me to test him like that wasn't the right thing either. We were both in the wrong, you know. But the goal to make something right isn't to go and prove that, hey, I'm right. The goal is to restore your relationship. But as we know, restoration can be a process sometimes. So take one or two with you, not to corner the other person, but to have witnesses that can confirm and hear both sides of the story. I love Proverbs 18:17 in the message version it says the first speech in court case the first speech in a court case is always convincing until the cross examination starts right so two or three you need witnesses to be able to confirm now if they were still unwilling to listen the next step is to as Jesus puts it treat them as you would a pagan or a tax collector you disregard them now is there still hope for restoration Absolutely. There always is. With God, all things are possible. But in this case, you have tried everything you can do. As for them, they are missing out on the fellowship with other members of the body of Christ because of their unwillingness to listen. And as I was reading this again, there's something that I've missed in the past, but I think it's interesting that you bring two or three witnesses when you go back the second time. So then right after um, he tells us for the third time, If they don't listen, he says this, I also tell you this, if two of you agree here on earth concerning anything you ask, my Father in heaven will do it for you. For where two or three gather together as my followers, I am there among them. So first he says, bring two or three witnesses, you know, and then he says, if they still don't listen, go to the church. If they're still unwilling to listen, disregard them. But then in the same passage, he talks about, you know, where two or three are gathered So I think it's interesting that, you know, you miss out when you're unwilling to listen and you're unwilling to repent and you're unwilling to restore. 
you're, you're missing out on where the two or three are gathered because if, if you're out there by yourself and you're offended, you're missing out on the where two or three are gathered. So it's just interesting that he says two or three, and then again, two or three in verses 19 to 20. The New King James Version puts it this way, for where two or three are gathered together in my name, I am there in the midst of them. So don't miss where Jesus is in the midst just because you're offended. Don't miss out on opportunities just because you're unwilling to deal with your offenses. Meeting in the name of Jesus is the key here, but Jesus needs to be in the center. But there's a blessing that comes with being in the company of fellow believers. So for us to be unwilling to repent and restore our relationships with our fellow believers also means that we are missing out on the opportunity for peace, fellowship, and answer prayers just because of our offenses. Now, if it was just once that we had to deal with this, I think we could all agree that that's fairly doable, but it doesn't stop there. Because in verses 21 to 22, then Peter came to him and asked, Lord, how often should I forgive someone who sins against me? Seven times? No, not seven times, Jesus replied, but 70 times seven. Number three, forgiveness comes with fruit. When we choose to forgive, we are blessed with the fruit, the fruit of peace in our lives, knowing that there's nothing we're holding against another person. The fruit of joy in our lives, knowing that we can walk in the freedom and not carry the burden of unforgiveness. Even the fruit of physical health, I know we've heard this before, but I looked into it again, what unforgiveness can do to a person's physical health. According to the Mayo Clinic, letting go of grudges and bitterness can make way for improved health and peace of mind. They say that forgiveness can lead to, number one, healthier relationships, improved mental health, less anxiety, stress, and hostility, fewer symptoms of depression, a stronger immune system, improved heart health, and improved self-esteem, all because of forgiveness. Now, on the other hand, holding grudges and choosing to live offended causes you to, one, bring anger and bitterness into new relationships and experiences, become so wrapped up in the wrong that you can't enjoy the present, becoming depressed, irritable, or anxious, feel at odds with your spiritual beliefs, or lose valuable and enriching connections with others, all tied to unforgiveness and holding grudges, carrying offense with you. This is why forgiveness is not a one-time deal. It's unlimited. No matter how many times people offend us, we are still called to forgive. And I'm thankful that it doesn't say forgive and forget, because the truth is only God can forget, you know, We can choose to forgive even though we remember. And sometimes remembering is actually for our benefit. It is. Psychiatrist Thomas Saz said this, the stupid neither forgive nor forget. The naive forgive and forget. The wise forgive but do not forget. I'm like, wow. You know, in a a way that, that it works because sometimes you have been hurt and sometimes you have something that has happened to you And the reason you can remember is so that you don't allow the same pattern of unhealthy behavior come back into your life. You still forgive that person, but the reason you remember is so that you don't allow that back into your life. Even though we don't forget, we are still called to forgive them from the heart. He makes that clear. Not just accept an apology, 
but truly forgive and choose to live unoffended. We might have heard it before, but unforgiveness is like drinking poison and expecting the other person to die, right? Christian author Lewis Smead said this, to forgive is to set a prisoner free and discover that the prisoner was you. He was a Christian author. So make allowance for each other's faults and forgive anyone who offends you. Remember, the Lord forgave you, so you must forgive others. That's Colossians 3.13. Forgiveness is a command. It's not a suggestion. Matthew 16, 14 to 15 say this, if you forgive those who sin against you, your heavenly father will forgive you. But if you refuse to forgive others, your father will not forgive your sins. That's a big one. I think about this all the time when I'm either offended or hurt or every time I do communion, actually, I always think of that verse. Like if I am holding something against another brother or sister and I'm unwilling to let that go, I think of all the things that God could choose to not forgive me for. And immediately it just like, it just breaks everything. I'm like, no, I have to forgive so that I can be forgiven. Because every day we do things that, you know, we need to be forgiven for. So if we're unwilling to forgive, he makes it clear. He can't forgive us if we're holding on to unforgiveness. So the takeaway I have for you is work out your burdens so that you don't miss out on your blessings. Work it out. If you've got something on your heart that's weighing you down, unforgiveness, work it out with a brother or sister. Go directly to them because, like I said, you will miss out on the blessing if you hold on to that unforgiveness. There's so many blessings that come with being forgiving for not carrying offense. I thought it would be fitting to read the Lord's Prayer altogether, men online and men in house, because in there we pray, forgive us our debts as we forgive those. So let's, why don't we all stand to our feet right now? Men online as well, pray this with us. Let's pray the Lord's Prayer. I think it's important that we're bringing this back into our prayer groups and, and the kids uh, are starting to read it now as well and learn it in, in, in the kids' theater. And it's amazing. Coach Delton was saying that he asked how many kids knew the Lord's Prayer the other day. And only like two out of 20 some kids put their hands up, including probably my kids, because I don't know if I've ever taught them Lord's Prayer. This is the first prayer that I ever learned as a kid. So let's pray the Lord's Prayer all together. Men online, everybody join in. Our Father. forgiveness for our sins is the reason Jesus went to the cross and he modeled forgiveness even as he hung on the cross Luke 23 to 34 says Jesus said father forgive them for they don't know what they are doing even on the cross Jesus has a heart of forgiveness towards the people that are doing horrible things to him see Jesus died for the forgiveness of our sins but we need to accept that he is Lord over our life in order for us to be forgiven. That's why we started doing salvation prayer and baptism opportunities now, even in the men's group, because we want you guys to start inviting men to this service 
where we can experience salvation and baptism every week because this is a service now and we want to be able to invite unchurched people, unchurched friends who've never heard the gospel before and give them that opportunity to accept Jesus and to be baptized. If you declare with your mouth, Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved for it is with your heart that you believe and are justified and it is with your mouth that you profess your faith and are saved. As scripture says, anyone who believes in him will never be put to shame for there is no difference between Jew and Gentile. The same Lord is Lord of all and richly blesses all who call on him for everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. That's Romans 10, 9 through 13. So what I want to do right now before we wrap it up is give you guys an opportunity to invite Jesus into your life. So let's just pray together right now and say, Dear Jesus, I admit that I've messed up. I admit that I've sinned. I need forgiveness of my life as I forgive those around me. I believe that you died on the cross for my sins so I could be forgiven and so that I could forgive others. You rose again on the third day and you are alive and active today. Right now I make you Lord over my life. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for tuning in today and thank you for continuing to partner with us and for giving so generously to this ministry. If you would like to find out more about how you can partner with us, visit our website at www.wherepeoplematter.church and click the giving link. And don't forget to subscribe and share this with your friends. See you next time.